We have still got a handful of seats. I think there's two here, there's two down the front here. So please, please file on through, those that can. Uh, it's great to see you all here. It's great to see a, a packed marquee. My name's Kevin. I'm married to Vanessa. We're based in Madrid with uh, our three kids, and we're here hosting this seminar just to prove that you don't have to have a perfect family uh, to be hosting a seminar on healthy family life, which is the seminar you're in. By the way, that's your cue. If you meant to go to another seminar, this would be the right moment to file out and, and uh, release some seats for other people who wanted to be here. Um, healthy family life, we are convinced, is absolutely essential. It's the very basis of our human society. You know, when God made humanity... And when he gave us society, what he didn't create initially was a government. He didn't give us an army or a police force. He didn't give us a king. He brought two people together and he created a family. What that essentially means is that God has placed at the very center, the very fabric of our society, what holds it all together is family life which means whatever we are involved in, whether it's planting churches or whether it's planting trees, it's absolutely essential that it comes out of a development of a, a healthy family life. So that's why I'm so pleased that you are so many people here today. It's why we as a, a family of churches together want to put in the very center of the, the fabric of our uh, strategy of sure, of unify, which is a block of our, our strategy, a healthy family life. That's why this seminar is on. And so I'm really pleased to see you here. Um, at the same time as it's essential, it's also that kids don't arrive with instructions. Uh, none of us n have got the perfect idea of how this looks. Uh, and so uh, putting on seminars like this means that we can learn together, we can grow together, and we can develop really strong family life together so that we can be a, a mighty family of churches together serving God into the nations, which would be a great thing to see, no? Um, and it's great to have Karen here. I'm going to introduce Karen. Karen uh, is based in God First Christ Church, so she's part of our family of churches. She first started teaching on parenting about 13 years ago in a parenting course in Weymouth. And now when you take steps of faith, small steps of faith sometimes, you never really know what the journey that God is going to take you on. So what that led to Karen is that through that, God opened a door where, with a government-funded uh, uh, opportunity to co-author a, a parenting course. And that's led her into teaching on family life and uh, family support over many, many years, the last 13 years. She's now based in Christchurch, teaches at Moorlands on family life and on business, I believe. Uh, she runs a, a business with her husband, Gary, um, um, based on concepts, whatever they are. She does it. No, she, she helps people bring to life their dreams. And it's often based on courses, uh, books, and often done on family life. So we have someone who's really able to help us. I'd love us to give her a really, really warm round of applause, as well as open our hearts to the things that she's going to bring to help us today. Thank you, Karen. Excellent. So good morning, everyone. This is so cool to see so many people here and so many buggies. It's so cool. Excellent. Um, you know, if you have got kids, don't worry at all about if they get noisy. It's the safest place for that to happen today. So just thinking about it, there's going to be lots of reasons why people might be here and probably as well with a title like Healthy Family Life, there's probably a whole host of thoughts in this room and opinions as to what that might look like. Um, actually, somebody asked me if it was a, a nutritional seminar about healthy family life. So if you turned up hoping that we were making fruit kebabs or something, I'm so sorry. You're going to be very disappointed because there's none of that going on today. 
But really, family is a very, very emotive subject, and it looks different for all of us. And so I just want us to look more towards the Father today and hear from him, rather than me telling you much about what I feel you should be doing, which is rarely helpful. I will just mention, though, that I've made up some packs. I don't think I've made up enough, actually. I made up 100 packs that if you want to take one of those, and in there, it's just got a few things that you might find helpful. So. One of the things is this, it's my um, 10 top tips for parental self-control. So if you want a little bit of reading, you can take that with you. Um, I've also got um, just some leaflets which just show some of the things that um, I've done. So Fusion is the course that we um, had this incredible journey with uh, where the government funded us. That's a six session course which is full of skills and strategies and it actually works really well as an outreach within churches into your community. Um, I've also got this Getting Real leaflet, which in there is um, the Intentional Family Workshop, which is actually normally a day's workshop, but some of what I'm going to be talking about today comes from that. And finally, um, Your Family, Your Way, which is my latest course, which is 100% uh, online. So basically you can access that from your phone or your tablet or your computer. So there's a little card about that. And there's one other thing, which um, is a perspective sheet, which I'm going to talk about um, at some stage. So... I'm just going to get that out of the way. So I would actually, if, if truth be known, I'd actually love to spend time with every single one of you because I really enjoy hearing people's, about people's lives and people's stories. And I would really love to hear your stories. Um, I don't think that's very practical this morning, so we're not going to do that. Uh, but I really want to just encourage you and say well done for being here and um, for just taking that step of coming even today. Um, and I just want you to know that you're really cherished by God. Um, so whatever you might be facing right now, so you might be in a stage where you are absolutely living the dream. And I say, hurrah, well done, I'm so pleased for you. But you might be feeling more like actually it's a living nightmare right now. Most people are probably somewhere in between. Actually, if you're camping, you might be more towards the nightmare side. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would be my experience. Um, and also, you know, the whole sign things that come in. So my kids are actually teenagers now, so I'm hoping that I'm not the number that gets called out today. I think I might be past that, but let's see. So we actually only have a very short time this morning, um, and so I'm just going to literally touch on some of those themes that I think that are just really helpful for healthy family life. Um, and if you do find this seminar helpful, then just please come and take a pack at the end or just come up and ask more questions. And we also have an amazing team with us. I've got some great, great friends from God First and we've got our lovely host. So if you want to come and get prayer at the end, please come forward for that. So before we get started, I just want to be really, really clear about something. I am not a perfect mother and my kids are not perfect. So the aim of this seminar is not me telling you that I have found the absolute answer for a perfect Christian family, because I'm sorry, I haven't. But I do believe that God is going to really speak to us today. And I'm expectant for what he's going to do. So I don't know about anyone else. If Does anyone else do this? But I go in stages where I have like a favorite Bible verse. Does anyone else do that or is it just me? Okay. <laughs> just me then. So my current, it's been for about the last few months, my current fable, favorite Bible verse is John 10.10. And it says, the thief comes only to, skill, no, only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So I just want to touch on that for a moment because do you know what? The enemy is very real and he wants to take us out. And his weapons are lies and fear and he would love to throw a whole host of accusations at you right now about your family. And he does it to you and he also does it to me. And so he does it in the things that are really important to us. And family is one of those words that he will wrap his lies around and he will actually love just to develop insecurity. And so, you know, he has been trying to whisper things to me all week long about how I'm just not the right person to do this and, you know, no one wants to listen to you and that type of thing. He, he is real and he is mean. 
but he is not victorious because God is victorious. So if you have come today and you were just feeling like insignificant or that others are much better than you, then I just want to say those are the lies of the enemy. They are not true. And you're in a safe place today just to receive the Father's love. So as I'm sharing um, throughout the time, I'm probably just going to weave in a couple of real life stories because I get the mic. A couple of those are going to be really good stories, but I'm actually going to be really real and tell you a couple of the not so great stories as well in my life. Now, I have met many, many, many incredible families over the years and no two have ever, ever, ever been the same. And, but the one thing that I have noticed that is a really common thread is just how harsh parents are on themselves. They're so harsh on themselves. So that brings me back to my current favorite Bible verse, and it's the second part, which I absolutely love, where it says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that is Jesus' aim for us, that we would have life to the full. See, I don't get it right all the time, but I know that for me, God has given me this incredible heart for families, and then he's given me ridiculous opportunities just to share that and to share his love. And I really, 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 really want to go for a life that is full of him and just to pursue him in everything. So in Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, the mind of Christ is always, always better than our own thoughts, and it will always bring a healthier perspective. So I want us to be thinking about that this morning, about the mind of Christ as we just cover different things. So I want to touch on God's perspective of who you are, And then from there, just look at how we can be intentional about supporting each other as a wider family of God. So as I've already said, my family isn't perfect, but I actually believe that I am their perfect mother for my family. And do you know that is not because of my parenting skills, or it's not because I'm super, super confident or arrogant. It's just because my father chose me. And because of him, that makes me perfect for the job. Because of who he is, he is the perfect father. And he is full of love. He is full of grace for me and my family. But he's full of love and grace for you and your family. See, he imagined you long before you did. Uh, He imagined your family long before you did. And he didn't focus on the circumstances of your life, but he actually focused on pursuing a relationship with you. And God has a much, much higher opinion of you than you can ever fully grasp. And that's because you were designed in his image. So before the world was created, God already knew about you and it gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure to form you uniquely and to form your children uniquely. And he knew everything about you. And he knew that before you even breathed your first breath. And he knew about your children. And he planned the perfect team for you, and he decided that you were a part of that. So whether you are a mother or a father or a step-parent, an adoptive parent, a foster parent, a grandparent, an auntie, an uncle, any other significant role in family, this message is for you. Whatever your situation, whatever your relationship status, however overwhelmed you feel, God has not forgotten you and your family, and he hasn't overlooked your situation. God knows you, he loves you, he pursues you. He calls you chosen, a child of God. He says you are royal, that you are righteous, and his nature is good. He is loving and he is a restorer. So even if you're facing difficult circumstances, God is a restorer. And he is constantly reminding us of our new identity in him. So I'm going to ask my friend Ruth just to come up and read a little letter to us. This is um, the Father's love letter, which is a message to you from God. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. 
I'm familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered, for you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being, for you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You are not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day that you were born. I've been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I'm not distant and angry, but I'm the complete expression of love. And it's my desire to lavish my love on you. Simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I'm your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope. Because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sands on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you're brokenhearted, I'm close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain that you have suffered on this earth. I'm your father, and I love you even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am, not f- that I am for you and not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been a father, and will always be a father. My question is, will you be my child? I'm waiting for you. Love your dad, almighty God. Thanks so much, Ruth. That is a really powerful letter. I'm just going to just quickly say something that, um, just for the sake of ease, I'm actually going to use the word parent. but I'm just doing that as a generalized thing just for ease. So if that isn't what your role is, please don't feel like I'm isolating you from anything that I'm saying. It's just that if I start to do slash, 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 it will go on forever. So I'm going to be doing that today. Now, family is mentioned in the Bible over 200 times. And when you look at it, it's really inclusive language. And it's actually when it's um, family is mentioned, it's talked about in a way that is more than just the nuclear family that Westerners, as Westerners often think of. And for me, that says that we really need each other. We need a wider family and we need to be encouraging each other. So everything in that father's love letter that Ruth just read out is straight out of scripture. It isn't made up to make you feel better about yourselves. It's absolutely 100% biblical truth. All of those things are what God says about you and what he says about your family. 
but how easy is it for us to just pick up the role of parents and then carry this huge responsibility to effectively go it alone and then when things get bumpy or tough maybe we'll add in some prayer or maybe we'll seek some counsel at that point when we really need some help but I don't think that this is the best way I believe that surrendering everything to God and just letting go of those reins is the absolute way forward so essentially we need to learn how to be a child first so I genuinely believe that we need to hear and know what who we are as children of God in order to learn more about our identity so that we can learn how to parent um, and part of being a family is about, about being that wider family of God, or as we like to call it, church. So to learn more of our identity, we actually need to know who our father is and to give all of our lives fully to him. But I don't know about you, it isn't easy to surrender it all. And especially with children, there's this emotional investment um, and it's that tie to our children that we carry. And surrendering our families or our parenting is actually really, really hard because it's hard to give it all over. We tend to try to hold on to things. Um, but I do believe that we need to actually grow in utter abandonment to God if we're going to learn how to trust him with it all and develop healthy family life. But caught up in this surrender is actually our surrendering of our rights and that's our right to understand or our right to have it all planned out it can be our right to our pride or achievement or reputation or the legacy we might leave or control sometimes it's even just surrendering our right to our children's salvation or their abilities or their successes or their spirituality and that's just to name a few are we prepared to hand it all over to God? To surrender those things, the what-ifs, and to surrender our fear? Wow, it's really hard. So do we trust God with it all? See, family life is really, really fluid, and things change. And there is a need to adapt and be flexible. And actually, that is really hard for some people. And it can be hard for some children to experience change, but it can be really, really hard for some adults to to be flexible and to change. So we need God as we journey through family life because every single day will hold an absolute unique set of circumstances and then every child you add to the equation is unique themselves. And there is mystery and there is pain and there is disappointment and we have to learn to process that. But unless we give our right to understand, we will get stuck because we won't be able to process that. Now we've had some pain in our family um, We've had a number of different scenarios, but one thing um, in particular is we uh, actually gave up our whole lives. We sold our home, got rid of all of our possessions, and we moved to another country uh, to follow a call from God. And actually, it didn't work out for us. Um, we loved it, but we uh, weren't issued with the right visas that we needed, and we had to come back to the UK. It's a very long story. I'll tell you another time if you're interested. Um, but it was painful, it was really, really painful. And to start again, we literally had to start again. Um, but we went through that as a family. And all we were doing was being obedient and yet things didn't work out. We've also had some physical and some mental health challenges and plenty of financial challenges. And if I'm honest, I don't understand it all, but I do know that God is good and I know that his goodness never changes. So I've learned that Psalms is one of the best gifts that God gives us as families because we need to learn to lament. So if we are trying to process disappointment, we just have to give it back to God. The things that don't seem to add up, the things that are hard to understand. So you can live with the mystery of that if you completely trust God and you're willing to surrender it to him. And in Romans 8.28, that very well-known verse, it says, and we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have been accorded to his purposes. And it's true. It might not feel like that as you look at some of your circumstances, but we can trust the word of God that we know that whatever is going on, he works in all things to the good of those who love him. So when we put our trust in God, I really believe that we actually can learn something from all three persons of God, and they will help us to parent. So I'm going to start with God the, F God the Father. 
So the Bible is packed full of examples of the Father's extravagant love, and that was just read in that letter. Now, I love learning more about what it is to receive the Father's love, to receive his attention, to receive his forgiveness, and to receive his discipline. And I find that he is often so, so generous with me, and he's kind and often very gentle. So when I feel like I've really messed up, he is so quick to forgive, and he's quick to encourage me, and he reminds me of who I truly am. So I've noticed in my life, though, that the Father doesn't always respond how we would expect. So, which actually shouldn't be a surprise. So if we think, what do we know of God and his ways? If we think about, say, like the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea. Um, so if, if you were one of those guys and you're coming up and you're being followed and then you've got this sea and the enemies behind you. Now, if, if, you're, if you're quite smart, you might have thought, mm, right, how are we going to get out of this? Or oh, maybe, maybe a bridge, maybe a boat's going to come along. Or if you're a little bit more, a little less optimistic, you might just say, oh, we're going to be back in slavery or we're going to die. But I pretty much guarantee that I don't think anybody in that position right there and then would have thought, oh, I reckon the sea's going to part. See, God is full of mystery. And, and sometimes when we get into situations, he's full of surprises. And he does things that actually don't make sense. Um, and... For us to learn to love as the Father loves, sometimes we actually have to do things that don't make sense. And if we think about Jesus, he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. But as we develop our intimacy with Father God and we learn his voice, sometimes he might ask us to do things that don't make much sense. But are we willing to do that? Or are we just interested in kind of consistency and knowing what we understand? So I'm going to tell you a little story about my daughter, my youngest daughter. I've asked their permission to share these stories. Um, so my youngest daughter, Darcy, is 13 at the moment. And um, I think it was only maybe last year or the year before, maybe. Certainly it wasn't when she was tiny. It's very recent. And uh, we were um, in church and um, Darcy wasn't in one of those moods that is the type that you're really proud of, that you, you know, <laughs> love to show off. Uh, she was struggling. At the time, she was actually going through um, a lot of friendship issues and really struggling with her own identity. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about identity and who you are in Christ and stuff like that, but she was really struggling to understand it. And um, she was pretty foul that morning. And in all honesty, it was embarrassing how she was. And she wasn't hiding any of it. She just didn't care. And she was rude to people and all of that. Now, everything in my justice side is like, everything in my terms of all those things we put in when they were young, all those great values, it's like, where have they gone? It was embarrassing. It was humiliating. And um, you kind of want to just go at them and give them that whole, like, you know, after church drive home thing where it's, ah. And... Um, really felt like God just say, go to Subway, as in the sandwich shop. Now, Darcy absolutely loves Subway. I mean, she said to me this week, oh, they've got a new chicken, mum. When are we going? The whole journey down here, she's like, can we get Subway? Can we get Subway? Can we get Subway? She loves Subway. And I felt like God was saying, go to Subway and buy her a Subway. Now, for my sense of justice, my husband's is even higher. So this is not our natural response. Let's just go and buy her a lovely treat and reward this awful behavior. But we felt like, you know what? We feel like we should do this. So we went and she got Subway and uh, she was really quite blown away by it, really. Um, she, she couldn't understand it. And as we arrived, she was like, no, I don't deserve it. I'm not having it. No, 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 no. And we just said to her, look, Dust, we love you. And you make mistakes, and we make mistakes, but we want you to know how much we love you, and this is a gift to you. you. There's no strings attached. There's nothing you have to pay back. We just want you to know how much you lo we love you. And we bought her a Subway, three quid. It's not a huge, huge big deal. I tell you, what that girl learned that day of her true identity in God and how loved she was, was transforming, way more than any appropriate discipline would have had. If I'd have gone where my natural heart wanted to go, where my pride wanted to go, 
we would have gone in a very different direction. But I listened to the father and something changed for her that day. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't discipline your children. But sometimes God will surprise us with what he says to do. And the lasting effects of that and what he's doing through that are absolutely significant. Now, because Darcy's quite funny, she kind of then made a joke after she enjoyed her subway and kind of got what was going on. She's like, ah, I could try this every week, right? (laughs) I can honestly say, unless she hears this tape and then maybe tries it again, I can honestly say that she has never done that again, but I know that something in her identity changed um, and something went in strong and deep and she knows how loved she is by her father. So, God doesn't always respond to us in the way that we would expect, and he is extravagant in his love. So if we just read the parables, um, particularly the story of the prodigal son, if you think about it, the prodigal son story is another expression of that. Now, that son knew how much he'd messed up. He knew um, what he'd done, but his identity was totally restored by how the father treated him. So, try it. You know, God knows best. Uh, If we know what it is to receive the Father's love and his forgiveness and his discipline, we know that it's all wrapped up in love and restoration. And like I say, there's things that we've been through as a family that are really hard. And I just think if Gary and I had thought about us knowing best and then pursuing what we felt was the right thing to do or socially what was the right thing to do, then um, rather than the promptings of the father, then to a certain extent, I don't think it would have been quite so costly or maybe not quite so painful, some of the things we've been through. However, see, more significantly, we would have missed out on a huge, huge, huge intimacy with God and a great relationship as a family because of those things. So we need to surrender it all, even when it doesn't make sense, and just pursue what the Father is asking of us. And it will be different for you and for me. So we're not trying to imitate each other. We just want to know what the Father is saying for us. And when we trust in him, it's just really important to learn the Father's voice. So Psalm 143.10 says, teach me to do your will for you are my God. And may your good spirit lead me on level ground. So what can we learn from God the Son, Jesus? Well, I just want to touch on the temple story. You know, when Jesus was 12 and um, his parents, Mary and Joseph, they'd they'd been in the temple and they'd started along their journey. They were about a day in and then they realized Jesus wasn't with them. Their son wasn't with them. Who has lost a child? Anyone? I mean, I, I was classic at it when they were little. Um, I want to tell you um, a, a story about my middle daughter, Abby, who's 15 now. When I said, is it Abs, is it all right if I tell a story about you? She went, is it, is it that story? And I went, yeah, yeah, it is. She's like, oh, cool, I love that story. <laughs> I didn't have quite the same response because basically Abby was one of these babies that didn't know what it was to be a baby and um, decided that she should be grown up and a toddler almost straight away so she actually started properly walking and I'm not talking like this but walking across the room at eight months it was mad I mean who does that she completely deprived me of all that lovely like oh anyway eight months she was properly walking so uh, it was a it was in in the summer she must have been about nine months old and I was at my friend's house we were in the garden had the paddling pool out we were having a nice time and um after a few minutes, I just thought, well, Abby's wandered into the house and it's a bit quiet. Perhaps I should, you know, go and look. I'm a mother, you know, that type of thing. And, uh, and I, so I walked back into my friend's house and um, Abby at that time as well was also into stripping her clothes off. She loved taking her clothes off. So I walked in and I find some of her clothes and some more clothes. Then I find her nappy that she's also tote. So by now I'm thinking, okay, so she's probably pretty naked. She's probably just got a top on. And then I start to walk further into the house, and I'm like, where is this child? And then the worst thing, I see the front door totally open. And my friend lives on a street that is really busy, cars coming down. And I don't know if anyone's ever had any of this type of scenario happen to them, but 
It probably was two minutes, but it felt like a full-length Hollywood movie in my mind. I mean, I went through it all, the papers, the paparazzi, the parenting woman, like, loses child. You know, it was just awful. And you're just like, where is she? So run out the door, look to left to right, can't see any kind of panicked drivers that have just killed a child or anything. So I'm like, where is she? And then... I look down the road and I see this woman with probably the most judgmental, sour face you could possibly have, holding my daughter that is pretty naked and is essentially a baby. She's nine months old and uh, tells me how she's phoned the police and all this. And I'm just like, <gasps> anyway, she was fine. Abby thinks that's such a cool story. I'm like, if you become a mum, you might not think the same. Anyway, I lost my nine-month-old baby. Shame, sorry. Nine-month-old baby I lost. How do you lose a nine-month-old baby? But So when we go back to the temple story, Jesus is 12. So I'd lost her for about two, three, four, five, ten minutes, I don't know. A whole day? I mean, a whole day? How do you not notice your 12-year-old isn't around? I mean, I would notice that, wouldn't you guys, right? If you've got an older child, I'd notice that. But So I would love to hear the part of that story with Mary and Joseph that we don't know. I'd love to go and say to them, what was your reaction really like? But the point is that Jesus was in the Father's house because he knew his identity. And for him, where else would he be other than with his father? And I think it's something really crucial for us to learn here is actually we need to know our true identity. We need to know who we truly are. And also our children need to know who they truly are and what Father says about them. <clears throat> Sorry, I've lost where I am. So, I'm going to move on because I can't find where I am. I think you get the point. Okay, so what can we learn from God the Holy Spirit? So, the thing about the Holy Spirit is that he calls us into righteousness. It tells us in Romans 8.10. And I think the Holy Spirit is beautiful because he breaks into our routines and he can really mess with our plans and our lives and our rules. And I love that. His aim is relationship. So, I want to waste time with the Holy Spirit because he calls me into my righteousness as a child of God. He reminds me that I am never, ever, ever alone, and that I am loved and cherished, and that God has way bigger plans, and he has a better view. He has a much better view of the whole situation and of my life, so I can trust him. And I think sometimes it's easy to think, oh, if we had Jesus with us walking alongside us, then we would make great parenting decisions all the time because we'd just be able to, you know, what do you reckon, Jesus? But actually, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, so we have access to the Holy Spirit all the time to help us and to prompt us with where to go. So I don't want to ask, how, how do I get more of the Holy Spirit in my life or in my parenting? But actually, how does the Holy Spirit get more of me? So I want to surrender all of my ways to him. And that includes surrendering my family and where that might go, the outcome and all of that. But in that relational intimacy with the Holy Spirit, that is what transforms us and it transforms how we think and it transforms what we do and it transforms our families, even when the reality doesn't suggest so. So in the same way that I want to waste time with the Holy Spirit, I want to waste time with my kids because, you know, it's never going to be a waste of time to have time, waste time with them because I'm now at the stage where... Uh, I have a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 13-year-old. And, I mean, it makes me sound old by saying this, but I just feel like, seriously, it feels like I've blinked and they're now at that stage. Um, and the reality is that you just want to waste time with them and build those memories and hang out with them because you're just constantly building relationship when you do that. And it's never, ever going to be a waste of your time. See, God's aim with us, his children, is relationship. What better an example is there than that? So we absolutely have to learn how to be children of God in order to be parents. So ultimately, we are training our children to be children through how we learn this identity ourselves. And in reality, actually, who would choose to do it their own way? Because it will never, ever be as good as his. 
So who would seek to fulfill his own desires when God's ways are always better? So I am not lear- I'm not knocking learning parenting skills or um, reading books or anything like that. I mean, I've written a load of stuff, so I'm going to be promoting parenting skills. But the reality is that we just have to go to God first and hear his ways above and beyond any formula or any suggestion that we will hear that is practical because God has a direct relationship with you and he sees the whole picture and he knows your family and what is best for your family. So pursue relationship with God because it's amazing. And sometimes it's really, really surprising how he guides us, but it will be amazing. And then everything else is just a bonus. It's an add-on. Any other tips you might get, any kind of practical advice, that's just an add-on when we pursue the Father's ways. And I would say find the promises of God for your family. Get hungry to learn directly from him and from scripture to hear what he is saying for you, for your family. So, a couple of things I just want to touch on today before we run out of time. What are we, how, how far are we on time? Okay. So, I just want to touch on um, culture. So, you have a culture in your family, and you actually can't stop that culture from forming, but you can be intentional about the culture you create. So if you're intentional, it actually sets a framework of unique family values that are working that you're working towards and you're working within. And if you're intentional about setting a family culture, it actually brings a huge amount of freedom because you can make mistakes and there's room for failure. So if you're thinking about setting a, a culture, you need to think about things like what matters to you. See how you act and behave influences the culture that you've set. So the natural default settings um, that you return to easily without thinking are part of your culture. And there will be a different blend of positive and negative influences. Um, There'll be different sort of demographics of your own childhood or if there's more than one of you in your family as an adult, there'll be all of the mix of that. But it's those expressions of culture Um, that will really, really influence what's happening. So every family will have a culture, but actually very few people set about intentionally creating it. And it's it's amazing if you stop and think about it, how that can transform your family life and bring a really healthy family life. So whatever it's been like before, that doesn't have to determine your future. But when you take time to stop and think about what matters to you, you give your family this amazing gift that you can actually be intentional about how you want your family to be. So you might want to start by thinking about what values are important to you. And there are so many to choose from that you can tailor make the culture in your family to work for you. So in our family, we've got a number of culture um, things that are important to us, but I just want to touch on a couple of them. So one of them is generosity and one of them is um, authenticity. Um, And, you know, when you know what you want your values to be, you can actually intentionally start to cultivate them and find opportunities to practice them. So in our British culture, if you think about it, it's actually a little bit moany and there's quite a lot of put downs. If you think about something like um, Prime Minister's Question Time, I mean, they're really quite mean to each other. And you think about if you have pretty much any conversation with any other British person, you probably will talk about the weather and there'll probably be some sort of moaning about that. So our natural kind of British culture can be a little bit negative. So it's really important that we're influenced by the culture of kingdom values rather than just what where we live. So if you take a step back and you actually look at your family, you will find some culture traits in your family. And I would say if you like them, great. Just cultivate them more and more and more. But if you stop and you actually think, do you know what, I don't like that, then you've got a chance to change them. And it's really helpful to think about what and who has influenced you, both positively and negatively, um, because that will be a part of what has set your culture up till now. So I want to tell you quickly about a real-life hero of mine. Um, And it's actually my dad. So uh, my dad is the most amazing person in the world. Sorry, other than my husband. (coughs) Um, 
my dad is so generous. It oozes out of him. He is so kind and loving and he would just do anything for anybody. Nothing is ever too much trouble. He is so, so, so lovely. He's my absolute hero. But his start in life, he was born during the war. He was a result of a, um, a naughty relationship that shouldn't have happened. And uh, he, as a result of that, he was put into a Bernardo's care home as a baby. And sometime after that, he was then put into a foster family, but not foster families how we would think about, you know, people that have a heart for children that want to. It was a wartime thing. You've got space, you take on kids. So he never had a family that loved him, nurtured him, cared for him. And yet, he is the most incredible man. He has every right to carry a chip on his shoulder and to feel like the world was horrid to him. And he has never, ever, ever, ever been like that. He is the nicest, most amazing man you will ever, ever meet. And because of who he is, he's demonstrated generosity throughout my whole life. So for me, it was an easy thing just to practice because it was being shown the whole time. And so then I meet my husband, and he's such a generous guy. I mean, he would do anything to anybody for anybody. Not to anybody, sorry. <laughs> um, so for us, generosity was a really natural culture value for us to um, develop. But we kind of wanted to have some fun with it. So when the kids were younger, we did things like at Christmas, for example, we'd be like... Okay, so instead of us like having presents and like a lovely meal and all of this, pick a family and we're gonna just do like a surprise thing for them. And and the kids just loved it. So we like we got we had to organise like ninjas how to get a real Christmas tree d delivered without them knowing it was ours, and how to get the whole f food delivered. Um, so that they could do an, a, mass, a massive Christmas and stuff. And we had so much fun planning it. And other Christmases, we would go and we would be a part of... Um, our friends had a home for people who generally have substance misuse issues, but maybe have come out of prison and that type of thing. And we would go and spend some time there on Christmas Day and stuff. So it was really fun to be creative of how to be gen generous. And it's not from a position of having, but actually it's a position of who you are these things so it's not about what your circumstances are but actually what you want to cultivate so there you go I'll tell you a nice great story like aren't we amazing so now I'm really gonna have to just tell you some of the ones that aren't so so good as well so another um another story is that we really wanted authenticity to be a value in our family and uh when uh my eldest daughter I think she was probably two so I had her and I had my middle daughter as a baby and I really wanted her to be a very honest child. I wanted this authenticity to come through. And we went into a shop. I think a friend had just had a baby or something. We went into a baby shop to buy a gift. And uh, we came out of the shop and um, the woman had given us... And Cameron, had, Cameron is my daughter's name. She'd given um, the money over and the woman had given the change. And we came out and there was a 1p too much. So I'm thinking, well, honesty, you know, it all starts with the little things. So she's like, oh, they've given us too much. We need to give it back. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm such a great mother. She's completely getting this, my two-year-old, this toddler. So I take her into the shop and I'm thinking, yeah, this is great. I'm going to let them all know how wonderful my toddler is. And I'm, so I'm like, so Cameron, talk to the lady and tell her what you just said. And she's like really shy and not at all at the stage where she's ready to talk to other adults that she's never met before. And I'm like, come on, come on, come on. And uh, I don't know how long this went on for, but um, these shopkeepers looked at me as if they should phone social services. I mean... They just were like, who is this woman? And I came out of that shop and I was just like, what have I done? Because if my objective was honesty, that had already been conquered when, when we'd had that conversation. Suddenly I was like, this is pride. This is horrid. This is so embarrassing. I don't think I ever went in that shop again. Um, but the reality is that I got carried away with myself. And instead of the culture values being the thing that were important to us, suddenly it was what people thought of us and this pride. And it was ugly and I'm embarrassed to tell it. 
but the reality is that we will make mistakes and sometimes you know you probably shouldn't tell them quite so publicly but you know we all make mistakes so that was one of my um more embarrassing times um my youngest daughter darcy as we were trying to embrace this authenticity and honesty one day we had uh, my mother-in-law visiting and uh, we were just like chatting and saying something about how um like daddy picks all three of them up and i said to darcy she was only little at the time that i wouldn't put it past her doing it um <laughs> she's very funny and she um i thought she was going to say oh it's because daddy's so strong that he can pick his three daughters up but she says it's because he's so fat and then she went, and so is she, and pointed at my mother-in-law. <sighs> yeah, what do you do in that moment? So, you know, my mother-in-law then busily starts to try to justify why she's overweight, and it's just getting worse and worse. And, I, and I'm trying to rectify this situation, and I'm saying, um, well, Darcy, how do you think Nanny might feel about you saying that? And she's like, but she is fat. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse. So I'm like, oh, you just excuse us for a moment. Take her outside. I'm like, yeah, she is fat. But do you, you know, when we say that, it kind of can hurt people's feelings. So we try to, you know, just not say things like that. And you suddenly realize for not only her age, but also for how her mind is wired, she's like, I'm just being honest, what's going on here? And you realize these social practices of, you know, when we say things like, and wrap it up in a nicer way, um, how that kind of influences us. But the reality is that she was being honest. Um, so kingdom values, whoa, if you're gonna go down it, be brave. <laughs> It's painful. Part of authenticity for us is that we have had a kind of anything goes policy. So we can talk about anything and I mean anything. And there's a pain barrier to go through there because sometimes you're like, I don't want my child to say that. And, you know, it's kind of like, but we want them to be authentic. So we've had to go through that and make lots of mistakes. But it's easy to be influenced by the culture that we live in e.g. the British culture, more so than the kingdom culture. So I think when we're trying to establish an intentional family, we need to really think about kingdom values that can influence us. And if you're not sure if something is or isn't a kingdom value, then I would suggest that you actually look and you think, would this work in a different culture? So say in a developing world, would this culture value work there? Because if, if it's a kingdom value, it works anywhere. So it's really good to take some time. And then to think about how we um, are with others. See, you know, family isn't just limited to blood ties or our households. Church is described as the family of God. And if love is at the heart of what we do, then we need to think about how we are with other people and what culture we're building in our family and in our churches. And I found that some people actually feel really unsafe in churches as families because they feel judged. And we want to be in a place where we are encouraging people and loving them and calling the best out of them time and time again. So you never know what someone else is going through. And if you aren't in a, in a close relationship with them and you don't have that privilege of knowing what they're walking through, then let's just be generous in our love and uh, less judgmental because some people are carrying a lot or their circumstances might be really difficult or they, they maybe are having, um, there's mental health issues. You know, one in four of us will have a mental health issue this year. And if that's a statistic in the world, that's a statistic that is also gonna be in our church. So you don't know what's going on, what people are facing. So let's encourage one another and create a culture in our churches where it genuinely is a safe place to be and one of those things that that actually undermines it is when uh, we are comparing ourselves to each other now I actually think comparison is our enemy because it has in my mind it has two starting points it will either be unfavorable towards someone else or unfavorable towards yourself uh, so when we're comparing, we maybe are doing it from a slightly superior judgmental place where we're thinking we're better than somebody and we're looking down on them. 
or we're thinking others are better than ourselves and we're having a really bad opinion of ourselves. So we want to be able to slash comparison um, and when we do that, we can then appreciate what people really do carry and we can, we can learn to celebrate who people are even when they're different from us and we can take time to learn from others even when they're different from us and that has to be a great thing. So I think we're really running out of time. So I'm just going to um, quickly talk about perspective. And I think, you know, we started with that Romans verse about the renewing and the transforming of our minds. And let's be real, family life is tiring and there's lots going on. And sometimes the busyness of life means that we get caught up in just the little details. And so by being able to have a healthy perspective, we can completely transform the situation we're in. So I, in that pack, I have something which is a five-step daily thing, which basically just at the start of the day, being able to say, well, what am I thankful for this morning? And then as we come back at the end of the day, just kind of go, well, what, what did go well? Um, or actually, what do I want to forget about? Because often what happens is we just go around this cycle and where one bad day leads into another bad day and we just kind of get in this season of like, how are we going to get out of this? Um, and yet God's perspective on us is, is so, so good. And we can keep coming back to him and um, coming back to him and hearing his perspective and what he says about our family and renewing our mind. So the stronger our own identity becomes as children of God, the easier it becomes to make decisions that are influenced by kingdom values rather than cultural values or by popular choice. And then just by being us, we can expect to influence and change the environment around us because we have the Spirit of God with us. And the stronger our identity is, the more significant unity is because we aren't doing things based on what others are doing, but we're doing things based on the value in others and seeing that and celebrating and teasing that out of people. And the stronger our identity is, the easier it becomes to go before Father and just ask for his perspective because it isn't actually about the outcome or about pleasing others. But as Jesus said, we're only doing what we see our Father do. So I just want to stay with one final encouragement. If you have any inkling at all towards supporting other families, I would just say go for it. So whether that's in your church or your community, don't worry about whether you're good enough or if you have the right answers, because you will never have all the answers. But if you have the Spirit of God in you, you just need to take the next step and then go to the Father, to the source of love, and see what he does and what he might do in and around your environment. You know, if you can just be a person of encouragement for one person, that's going to be excellent. If, the, if somebody can get a touch of heaven just by being with you, just go for it. Because encourage families and let any encounter with you just be a touch of him. So I think we've run out of time. I would love to talk loads, loads more, but you're probably all hungry. But I just want to say that if you want a pack, please come forward. If you want um, to have any um, conversations about what it would be look like for you to f support families, come forward. Or if you want to have any prayer, then please come forward. But I'm going to hand back over to Kevin. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Thank you very much, Karen. I think there was some really, some great helpful stuff in there, particularly about developing culture in your family, practically working, intentionally working at developing the culture of your family, but also working with the Holy Spirit in that. Also incredibly, incredibly liberating. Please feel free. <laughs> They're obviously keen to get their booklets. Incredibly liberating. And I would just like to pray, if I may, to finish this seminar. Uh, there's going to be enough, I think. If not, I'm sure Karen can help provide some more. I would like to just pray for us uh, because I know that family life can leave you carrying a whole load of baggage that God doesn't intend you to carry. 
I had this picture as Karen was sharing of people carrying bags of words, names that you have spoken over yourself or others have spoken. Maybe words like failure, imperfect parent. All of these kind of things are things that hinder us in developing our relationship with our kids and having a great family life together. So I'd just like us to pray. And then we're going to offer up, if anyone wants personal prayer, Karen and her team will be here, okay? Father, Father, we stand before you, the great Father. We want to thank you, Lord, that you are the perfect parent. None of us are, Lord, and we all come with our failures and with things that have held us back. But we want to thank you that we have a perfect Father in heaven that can liberate us and heal us. And Lord, I want to pray for every life, every soul in this place. Lord, I want to pray that your hand would rest upon them even now. Pray you administer in your love, your compassion, and your purpose over their life. I want to thank you that Karen started with, I'm the perfect parent for my kids. Lord, I want to thank you that we are in your will and purpose. And I want to pray that that reality would be a reality deep in the core of every single one of us. Lord, may our identity be based in, in you and on what you say over our lives and in who you've created us to be. And I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you would come, that you would minister, that you would heal. I pray where people need liberating from carrying baggage from the past or lies of the enemy, I pray you'd release them right now. Help them to know that they are a child of God, that you have erased their failures, Lord. And I want to pray that there will be a liberty to walk with you and to enjoy family life, to enjoy being on the adventure together. And even when we trip up, Lord Jesus, it's a wonderful opportunity to learn and to grow together. Lord, I pray for your grace upon us on this. I want to thank you for family. And I want to pray that you would help us to be a great family together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, very, thank you very much. Thank you, Karen, particularly. They will be here if you want prayer later, if you want to talk to them. Please help yourself to the resources available. There's also stuff in the hub on family life, which you'd be great to plug into. Thank you.